This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, who's joining us via Skype. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. How are you? It's uh, great to be with you today. Oh, it's great to be with you, too. Now, we've started April now. Are you all getting ready for the end of the semester? Does it come up pretty quick for you? It comes up really quick. Spring semester flies by and, and everybody's getting ready for graduation. It also means that uh, all the organizations and uh, clubs on campus are, are having their uh, events because they realize, hey, we only got one more month to do it. But it's an exciting time and it's a beautiful time here at, uh, at Ole Miss. Well, and I think isn't Ole Miss ranked annually as one of the most beautiful campuses uh, in the country? It is. And really, if you come here in spring, it's even more beautiful than usual. It's it's an amazing place. Jeff McManus and the uh, people who do our wonderful landscaping here do just a fantastic job. We're lucky to, to have them. And I hope that they listen to the show sometimes because I'd love to give them that shout out. Well, after the plug for Ole Miss, we'll mention that, uh, what is it, Southern has a beautiful rose garden and... I've not been on the campus of state, so but I'm sure theirs is has equally uh, lovely times. Great time for a school tour, so that'll uh, that's when they they shine the best. They do. And, you know, it's interesting because that really relates to our topic today, because I have a uh, high school senior who's getting ready to go to college. And as we went on college tours, we went to some schools who were religiously affiliated. Uh, There was one uh, Catholic school up in Chicago. And I loved how they introduced and welcomed everybody. They said, we welcome uh, people of all faiths and none. And I think that uh, it's really what our topic is about today is religious freedom. It is. We are going to be talking about the boundaries of religious freedom. And this is something that, you know, we all want the freedom to practice our religion. But sometimes your religion might step on the toes of the freedom of practicing my religion. And as you said, what about the freedom to not practice any religion at all? We'll talk about how that is protected or not protected also. That's right. And, you know, I think the starting point might be that what does the First Amendment actually say? People refer to the First Amendment, but at least the part relating to religion says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And so there, there are two parts to that, really. Uh, there's no, no state or government religion that can be established, but also the state or government can't prevent us from practicing our religions either. And I guess that goes to the point of, is practicing your religion going to interfere with anyone else? So I work in a state building. You're in a public school. Can each of us practice our religion in our respective areas? Well, yes. I mean, we, we do have rights. We still we don't uh, park our First Amendment rights at the, at the door, but there are limitations, obviously, and, and there are limitations placed on the fact that we, we work at state institutions. Uh, you and I should not use uh, public radio, certainly, to try to indoctrinate people with religious beliefs. And so, I mean, if you in my in my office 
if I want to have uh, a religious symbol that is important to me, as long as I'm not using it to try to indoctrinate anyone, I, you know, then I, I do have those rights. But, you know, it's like living in society in general. Our, our rights are limited by the fact that we live as part of a bigger community and we want to respect the rights of others as well. I think that is where Americans and well, we can only speak to Americans because this is an American law part of our uh, Constitution and our Bill of Rights is, yes, you can do express your religious beliefs at school, but it needs to not interfere with anyone else's environment, so we say. That's right. Or with the job that you're there to do. You know, here I'm here to, to teach law. And if I'm uh, using uh, that as an opportunity to indoctrinate people into my religion, I'm disrupting the purpose that I'm here for, which is to teach law. So, uh, you know, we, we can look at public schools as well and, and, you know, K through 12 education. There's a balance and all of this is a balance and a lot of it is context. And, uh, and, and that's what makes it so interesting. Well, let's do talk about schools. Let's talk about high schools. Do, does a student have their, uh, do they have the right to express their religious beliefs at school? What about uh, clubs? What about praying in school? Well, you know, there again, it's it's contextual, really. The clubs certainly there can be religious clubs that can meet uh, after school hours, uh, and they're they're allowed to uh, meet on school property as long as other non-religious clubs also have access to to those uh, uh, same facilities. So, this, you know, the school can't just say, "Well, we're only allowing the the, the Bible study club." to meet in our facilities. No other club can do that. You know, so so in a way, you look at the religious clubs are not treated any differently than any other club on campus. You know, the the journalism club uh, should have the same access to the school's facilities after hours as as any uh, religious club, but we're we're not going to prohibit the religious clubs from having those opportunities as well. And what about the clothing that an individual chooses to wear if it, it... in some way expresses their religion? Well, you know, again, it's, there's this balance, right? So, uh, you know, schools can have dress codes and dress policies and often do. And as long as the, uh, the religious shirt, let's say it's a T-shirt, conforms with the school's dress code generally, then it shouldn't be prohibited because we allow uh, freedom of speech as long as it's not uh, something you know, tremendously offensive to other people. Uh, but yeah, that so the school can regulate how students behave in the school, including you know what they wear, and that could include uh, not a prohib- prohibition of religious uh, T-shirts, for example, but a prohibition of T-shirts with words on it in general. I, I know my mother used to always hate when I when I wore T-shirts that had writing on them. It didn't matter what they said; she just didn't like me wearing T-shirts with writing on. And schools could say, "We're not going to let you know any." Uh, any uh, T-shirts be in the school if they wanted to, as long as that was uh, legitimate school policy. We hope all of our listeners will call in with their questions or their contributions about our topic today. It's discussing the boundaries of religious freedom. We would love for you to be a part of our show. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 
672-7464. You can also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Professor Gerson, in some of the material that you and I have discussed preparing for this show, one of the things I found interesting was a school may not prohibit student expression solely because others might find it offensive. And I think, you know, offensive is something that is, you know, judged in the eye of the beholder. And that might be where legalities or you might describe it as offensive and someone else might describe it as not offensive. Well, exactly. I mean, I think that's that's why, you know, we we should, I think, uh, get, err on the side of allowing free expression. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, you know, the fact that people are offended by certain things. Well, then, you know, at some point, that's the free market of ideas. And, and if enough people are offended by something, then that that person will probably not wear that that shirt again. But that shouldn't limit their right to express it. Now, schools do, though, because we're talking about uh, especially K through 12, you know, the the younger the child, the more uh, the school has a right to look at conduct and behavior. And, and so some conducts can be disruptive uh, for a, you know, a child, even though adults might uh, not find them disruptive. Uh, and so schools have a little more uh, ability to, to regulate those as long as they're not completely uh, stifling a child's expression. But they can they can also make sure then that the school is not promoting religion. So, again, that's we're back to that balance. All right. Well, we're going to continue our discussion of religious freedom after the break. If you have a question about the laws concerning religious freedom, give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. There have been some incidences in the news recently. One was in Utah where a teacher did not allow a student in the classroom to express their religious beliefs and She made him take it off, and he got upset, and she got suspended. We'll talk about that and other topics you're listening to in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash terms. It's also available on the MPB public media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon, joining us via Skype from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I took particularly notice of this news event that happened last month. I am a practicing Catholic, and there was a story that came out of Utah where a teacher saw a little boy and thought he had dirt on his head and made him, uh, forced her to wash it off. 
she didn't realize it was Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Catholic uh, commemoration of the season of Lent, and they take palm branches from the previous Easter, uh, burn them to make ashes, and put a little cross on people's forehead to remind us of our mortality. And she thought it was just dirt and made him wash it off. And he said no, because he was young and couldn't articulate, but he just knew it was important to his faith. And she, you know, didn't understand that. She apologized. But oftentimes this can be a learning experience for all those involved. I agree. I mean, you know, there there is ignorance. I mean, it's certainly, uh, uh, you know, I, I saw that story and, and this young, he was only eight and he was really excited. It was the first time he had gotten the ashes and being forced to wash it off was really upsetting for him. And it certainly he wasn't doing anything disruptive. You know, I think it's it's a, a problem that we have in our society that we don't learn enough about each other's face. Uh, you know, I uh, know my children. We're Jewish and I know my children have been asked questions about uh, you know, what, what Jews believe that surprised me a little bit just because we are, you know, all in some ways are uh, the uh, certainly the uh, the Muslim religion, the Jewish religion and the Christian religion have a lot of relationships together and come out of very similar roots. Um, but I think that's it. I mean, I think we need to learn more about each other, understand each other and understanding will help us to be more tolerant and we'll have uh, we'll need lawyers a lot less. Right. I, and I, the reason I found this interesting was because a few years ago I was with my daughter on on an Ash Wednesday evening, and we went to a department store. Now, I wasn't trying on any clothes, so I didn't pull anything over my forehead, but the the shopping, the woman who was there was very concerned that I had dirt on my head. Did I know that I had dirt on my head? She was, she was very worried about me. And I, you know, just said, no, that was from a religious practice earlier that day. All right, we have a call. We'd like to go to Terry in Jackson. Terry, thanks for being a part of In Legal Terms. You're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm uh, also a practicing Catholic, and it's funny that num- I'm in sales, actually. So it's, it's funny the number of people who look at me crazy on Ash Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not so much when we talk about religious expression. I think there's a ton of uh, issues inside Christianity, the different uh, uh, denominations, you might say, and the way that they practice their faith. So it's almost like a melting pot of, uh, of different ideas, and I think we need to respect all ideas and be accommodating to all religions. You know, our country was founded upon the principle of escaping state religion. And, you know, state religion in in the Catholic faith also was an issue in Europe. Uh, But it just so happened that the pilgrims came over. They were escaping Protestant uh, state religion. So, you know, it's it's got a long history of of, uh, of, uh, discrimination, and it's something that our country needs to work on. And by working on it, we're not saying we don't believe in God. We just believe in the rights of others. So anyway, that's my comment. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate you calling in. Yes, I I feel like a number of times when individuals are 
discriminated against for practicing their religion. It is comes from ignorance, from not knowing this. Why is this person doing that? Why is that important to them? And because that is different from quote unquote me, the the populist or the governance or solely the individual that you know they don't understand. So for Professor Gershon, let's talk about uh, we're we're moving on talking about the freedom of religion. We're talking a little bit about expressing uh, religious beliefs in schools is currently where we're on. Talk about students expressing their religious beliefs in class. Well, there's, you know, first of all, you know, outside of class in the hallway, if as long as students are allowed to talk in the hallway, which not every school allows them to, <laughs> they can they can talk about whatever they want to each other, including uh, expressing their religious beliefs. They can express their religious beliefs in class as long as it's legitimately part of a, an assignment, as long as uh, it's not disruptive to the class or what the class is covering. If the class is, uh, you know, covering a math problems and calculus, and all of a sudden someone starts to spout their religious beliefs, then that it's not even really uh, the problem that they're spouting religious beliefs. It's about that they're being disruptive in general. So, you know, the, the school can regulate that. Um, but as long as it's relevant to the discussion, certainly a, a, a child can discuss their personal religious beliefs in a classroom. All right. And distributing material. What about students distributing religious material at school? Well, I think that would be subject to the same rules as distributing any material. You know, if there's uh, if somebody wants to distribute uh, material about the upcoming school play, uh, usually the school will regulate where those things, that information can be posted, when that information can be handed out. Uh, and the same thing would apply to uh, religious materials. And, and so schools, again, you know, have a lot of ability to, to regulate just the, the way that students communicate with each other and when they communicate with each other. But certainly as long as uh, if you're allowed to post information about uh, a a school activity or, or an out of school an, an out of school activity, particularly a student could uh, post information that is religious based. I know Young Life, for example, is one of the organizations that's religiously affiliated that will post information at the schools, and that that's you know perfectly okay as long as it's within the school's guidelines. One thing that I find uh, a bumper sticker funny is. There will always be prayer in schools as long as there are tests. <laughs> and, <That's> the- <laughs> uh, so, you know, what about students praying at school? Well, you know, if somebody wants to pray silently, they can pray anytime they want to. You know, that's silent prayer. Nobody's going to stop them from doing that. Uh, but it's, again, the question would be praying in a way that's disruptive. Now, uh, the school cannot lead prayer to start the day in the morning uh, because, you know, that's a, that's a different issue. But if, uh, if a, a group of students want to meet before school starts and, and say a prayer or after school is over uh, and say a prayer together, that they certainly can do that. Uh, again, a lot of it really depends on the context. You know, if, if a student is, is praying loudly in the middle of a class, it's going to be disruptive. So nobody's trying to stop people from praying, especially individually and, you know, silently. 
And as you mentioned, we I taught I was dean of a law school where the uh, the chaplain of the university it was a Methodist school the chaplain of the university was a law school student at the time. And he would say the, uh, the prayer at graduation, and I would always introduce him and say, he's a law student. He knows how to pray. Um, and, you know, but so but it depends too. religious, obviously religious affiliated organizations are different than public uh, uh, organizations. And we are when we talk about praying at school so far, we've only been talking about students praying or student led or student dress code. We are, but we are talking about the uh, we're talking about the boundaries of a religious freedom today. We've got a, a half an hour left. So if you have a call, if you would like to contribute, if you have a question, we would love for you to call us. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. or you can send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We do have a call. Let's go to Dudley in Calhoun County. Good to have you on the show. Go ahead. Thank you. I would just like to hear you talk about uh, the church and state religious thing. This is one thing that bothers me so much that so many of our social uh, problems have become political problems. And I would just like to hear what you think about that. Okay, but Dudley, that's a great question. And, you know, that's really uh, I know that people say uh, if you read the, the constitutional amendment, Specifically, it doesn't make any mention of church and state particularly, but it does say Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So what we're really saying is then that the state should not endorse any particular religion. And in fact, the U.S. Supreme Court has talked about that in a case uh, now called Lemon, and there's actually the Lemon Test, where part of that test is to determine uh, does the state in putting forward maybe uh, using a religious symbol like the Ten Commandments in in courthouses, uh, does that have a secular purpose? Uh, does it uh, appear to be an endorsement of religion? Uh, and so, you know, the, the lemon test asks us to go through and really look at what what is the state's role in promoting religion? Uh, and the state shouldn't have a role in promoting religion. That's that's the point. We don't want um, any particular religion to be uh, propped up by our by our state or federal government. Dudley, how's that for you? That was great. Thank you very much. I I wish that everyone could have heard that one. Uh, So many times I feel like on public radio, the people who really need to hear these things are not listening to them. But then that's me and my opinion. Thank you so much, though. All right. Thank you, Dudley. Well, Dudley, we hope that you will tell all your friends that they can go to mpbonline.org slash in legal terms to listen to our show. You can also listen to it on the MPB public media app or on a podcast. We're going to go to one more call before our break. Andrew from Jackson, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Uh, Hi there. Go ahead. You're on In Legal Terms. 
Oh, no, you're not. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and hopefully Andrew will call back. We're talking about the boundaries of religious freedom with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We would love for you to ask a question or contribute to our show. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you could send us an email. It's legalterms at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we'll talk about what about jewelry? What about using the Bible as a reference text in your classroom? We hope you'll join us when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert. He's a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. I like Podcasting Addict. Our engineer here, what, Jay White, what was it? Po- FM? Podcast FM? Player.fm. Player.fm is the one he uses. If you have an Apple product, well, you've already got Apple on your phone. Yeah, that player player FM is an Android specialized. All right. I think it has it, it works on many platforms. Oh, okay. But uh, just make sure you've got the, some kind of podcasting app on your phone. Touch the for me, I touch a plus and it took me to a search page for podcast. I type in in legal terms in the search area. It brings up you can see our little logo that says in legal terms. I touch the photo, then subscribe, and that way if I choose, I can be notified when any new episodes are up. This morning we're talking about religious freedom. And I, you know, I mentioned at the end of the last segment, you know, could the Bible, could the Talmud, could the Torah be used as a resource for an assignment? What about that, Professor Gershon? Well, you know, it really, again, a lot of this really does depend on the context, right? And uh, the the truth is, yeah, of course it can be, as long as it is part of the requirements of the assignment. So if, it, if you're in a religious history uh, class or, you know, a uh, comparative religions class, then it would make perfect sense, you know, for that, for the Bible to be used as a reference, for the Torah to be used as a reference, or the Quran to be used as a reference in a calculus class makes less sense and would seem to be then, you know, more uh, uh, trying to foster religious belief as opposed to uh, actually teaching what was there. Um, the students are there to learn particular things. And so if the uh, if the Bible's relevant to what they're learning, then certainly it's just as appropriate as any other book that is relevant to what they're learning. All right. Well, let's go to the phone. We have Darren in Jackson. Darren, we're so glad you're going to be a part of In Legal Terms. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Okay. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Now, I am a Christian <laughs> wholeheartedly. But my question is, what if you have um, individuals who say are atheists and 
they start gathering and talking and stuff. So what happens with that? Would you stop them? Well, the answer is no. I mean, I wouldn't stop Christians from gathering and talking either. I, I think the First Amendment uh, really goes to speech as well as religion. And, you know, what religion is really more about what you believe and what you uh, what your faith is. Um, and then there is the profession of religion. Really, the speaking of it is, is also protected as free speech. But I mean, there's a there's a time and place. Right. So if, if, if right. atheists are dis- disrupting a class by talking about uh, their beliefs, then that that also could be prevented. So, you know, it really is a matter of time and place. I think if there, there's no difference between, in my opinion, between the protection for atheists or the protection for Christians. Right. That's what I was trying to work out in my mind, because even though you don't like what they say, yeah. And I guess that's one of the things about uh, America and in all of the freedoms, when you talk about, I don't want to get into, you know, flag burning, but, you know, some people think that's very disrespectful, but yet other people think it's very disrespectful, but yet you do have the power to do that. And, you know, maybe whatever religion one person is may be completely different from another person's religion and couldn't see why anyone in the world would want to practice that. But we have to acknowledge with the First Amendment that they have the right to practice that. Is that correct, Professor Gershon? That is correct. And I, and I think it's also a matter, too, of just fundamental respect for each other. I know here's here's something that I find a little bit objectionable is when I go to a public event, not you know sponsored by, uh, let's say, the uh, the Mississippi Supreme Court or, uh, you know, some some truly public organization and someone prays and they say, we pray this and this in this way. And, and I, I would have to say that not everybody in that room does. So, you know, I, I would find it less objectionable if somebody just said, I pray in this way. If the person standing in the front of the room wants to lead a prayer and say, I pray in this way, then I find that much less objectionable. But when you start saying we pray, then you're then you're speaking for me. And, and I'd appreciate it if you didn't. All right. Thanks so much for uh, calling in, Darren. One of the other items we can talk about was students wearing maybe religious jewelry uh, or clothing to school. Is is that just one more? If it's if it's available, if the if the dress code permits it, then that's allowable. Absolutely. I mean, they, the school could not say specifically, uh, you know, you can wear any kind of necklace, but you can't wear a cross. That would be uh, clearly a, a violation of that that uh, student's First Amendment uh, rights to express themselves. And it really is, the, the, you know, the cross really, and or the Star of David, or you know, any any symbol that's a religious symbol is really an expression. Uh, a, a, you know, it's really more about freedom of expression than it is so much about freedom of religion, um, because. Uh, the Supreme Court has said that uh, you know, there's a difference between faith and practice. For example, if my if my if my faith said that I should uh, smoke marijuana every day, if that's what my true belief was, the, the state could still prohibit me from practicing that if marijuana was illegal. Now, we should do another show on why I think it shouldn't be illegal, but that's that's a different issue. But, um, you know, that so there there are there are certainly um Restrictions that can be placed on practice, but one is not an expression of you know if I can why should I not be able to wear a cross to school if, if other people can wear jewelry? 
All right, we have a call we'd like to go to. Let's go to Reverend John in Magnolia. Thanks for being part of In Legal Terms. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yes, ma'am. I was checking with y'all. Uh, actually, I was born on the Indian Reservation in Cherokee, North Carolina. And during the World War II, when it gotten so bad, everybody came for prayer. In the one-room schoolhouse, we had prayer. And then they sung the song, God Bless America. And then we come on later, they took prayer out of school. They took prayer off of the other things. I want to know why they allowed that to be. Well, you know, we've become a society. I think that's, you know, you're talking also about a time during World War II when we still had segregation. Uh, And I'm glad we moved away from that. Um, I think the the country has become a lot more uh, accepting of of differences in people, and that's good. Uh, Women have more rights. Uh, Certainly African-Americans have more rights than they did back in those days. So, uh, you know, and I think that nobody's taken prayer out of school. We just don't let the school lead the prayer because the the school is is a state organization should not be leading any particular form of prayer. Um, but certainly a, a student can pray. Nobody's stopping a student from praying. Nobody's stopping a teacher in their own private time from praying. So we really haven't taken prayer out of school as much as we now the state no longer endorses prayer yeah. in school. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. 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 Thank you very much. We appreciate you calling in, Reverend John, and we, all of our listeners, we would love to hear from you, to have you participate in our show. Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. As to, uh, you know, prayers in schools, even individuals of the same religious faith may have different uh, practices. There are, you know, many different Christian denominations, and your prayer might not be my prayer, might not be someone else's prayer. There are different, uh, what do you call it in, in, in Judaism? There's, you know, Orthodox and, and uh, you know, different. Orthodox, con- exactly. Orthodox, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of different, different ways to practice Judaism, a lot of different ways to practice Christianity, uh, Islam, lots of different ways. So you're right, Lou. I mean, there's no who, who. When people talk about bringing the Bible back to school, I always wonder which Bible they're talking about. Right? Which translation? Which copy? Um, so it's it's there's quite a bunch of uh, us and me and and which one that you're talking about. But we're going to move on. And I found this was very interesting. There was when I grew up, there was a stake chain uh, one of these places you could go in that had a big bar and you could order the steak to you like and a huge big salad bar and if you brought your church bulletin in you would always get a 10% discount but is that legal Professor Gershon? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's a private organization and nothing, you know, the thing that is important is the First Amendment affects 
Congress. Now, you cannot discriminate against someone in public accommodation uh, either, and that's something that the 14th Amendment added uh, through the uh, the conference. A lot. That's a complex process that we, we'd have to talk about. That, that basically, though, there is no in, in terms of public accommodation like restaurants and housing. You can't discriminate based on religion. But certainly, you know, a, a private organization could bring say if you bring your church bill to them, we'll, be, we'll give you a ten percent discount. Um, that is not going to be uh, an establishment of religion by by the state. So, um, yeah, as long as they're not prohibiting and not you know, refusing to serve people who don't have. Uh, church bulletins. All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the hour. Let's get some phone calls in, uh, but before we have to sign off. So if you have a question about religious freedom, you have a comment, an experience you would like to share with us, we would love for you to participate in our show. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. They're also recently in the news, uh, did you hear about the school in Saltillo about religious articles in the school? We'll get into what the teacher or the school district could do. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening and for being a part of In Legal Terms today. Remember, if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB public media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, who's joining us via Skype. We're talking about religious freedoms. You know, a lot of people don't like Facebook. I like Facebook because sometimes you, if people post news stories, uh, these are things that you, you know, might not hear. Or if you're, if you don't stay home to watch the news or you can't uh, pick up a, uh, pick out a particular news story. But I found this one was interesting. It was from Satilla, Mississippi. And this, uh, I think, made the national news is a superintendent uh, is not limiting the expression of free speech when he t- but he asked the teacher to remove crosses and scriptures and other religious items after a complaint but just from the walls the teacher could have it on her desk, their desk, if it faced into them. Now, this would, I guess, go to difference between an individual, a student, and a person of authority who is representing religion. What do you have to say about that, Professor Gershon? Well, absolutely. I mean, teachers stand in a different position. And when teachers start to post things on walls, especially for younger children, uh, you know, we're talking about this was uh, an elementary school, I believe. And, and, you know, you're talking then about children who are impressionable and 
and putting scripture and putting crosses on walls, it, those are symbols of authority that uh, looks like the school is endorsing those, even though it might just be a, an individual teacher. Now, individual teachers can have on their desk what, what they want. You know, they can have their own personal items as long as it's not. It doesn't look like to the students they are uh, endorsing that religion. And when a teacher teaches in a public school district, they, they recognize that they are have to be guided by the principles of the law and also um, by uh, the First Amendment. And the First Amendment does not allow the state of Mississippi or, you know, to establish a religion. And well, so they should... Uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just about to say, we have unleashed the floodgates. We have four calls now, and we'll try to get through all of them. We're so glad that our listeners are participating in our our show. Let's first go to Mikey in Mobile. Thanks for calling into In Legal Terms. Go ahead. I will try to be quick because I want to hear what everybody else has to say too. Um, uh, my experience that was unfortunate was checking into a hospital for an emergency procedure and the very young woman who was the person who checks you in did not recognize the name of my religion. And uh, unfortunately, she, I spelled it for her three times, but she put down, I'll just, she said, I'll just put down N-A, non-applicable. Now, my religion does encompass all the other religions. It is not, we are not contentious. We don't, you know, try to push anything off on anybody else. Um, but I found that hospitals are a place where other people will definitely try to push their religious ideas off onto you. All right, Mikey, we appreciate you making that comment for us. Let's go now to Joe in Memphis. Joe, we're glad that you've called into In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Thank you. I was listening to your program about how school districts and teachers cannot endorse prayer in in their classrooms or, or wherever. Can a student ask permission, whether it's Jewish, Muslim, Christian, whoever, uh, ask permission to lead a prayer either in a classroom or at a sporting event? Well, that's a good question, but the answer is is no, because again, it'll look like if, if the school is endorsing it. If it's an official school event like graduation or a sporting event, then the answer is no. Now, after school, if the students want to meet to, to pray after school, that is perfectly fine. And again, as long as if it's on school grounds, uh, that other uh, non-religious clubs also have access to the facilities. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate you calling in. Let's go to Dan in Hancock County, Louisiana. We appreciate you being part of In Legal Terms. Dan, go ahead. Hi. It seems to me that there is a distinction between spiritual spirituality and God and religion. And to me, like religion is an organization or organ way to find God. And our money we have in God we trust all over the place. And I'm not trying to get rid of that off the money. I just wonder if there any any anything that differentiates legally the difference between spirituality and religion. That is such a great question. And it really is something that, you know, uh, you, you look at in God We Trust, and that um, has been uh, not considered an endorsement of a particular religion. Now, I would imagine that if someone is atheist, which is also their right, uh, that would be offensive. And I know that one of the controversies we're having right now in Mississippi is that our li new license tags have in God We Trust, the state seal, on them. 
and I've heard people say that they will not, uh, they will, you know, buy a specialty tag that does doesn't have that. Um, but that is less offensive, certainly, than um, if there was a specific religion referred to uh, on, on the money. Professor Gershon, I'll add, do you think we're still in a continuum? You know, we mentioned, uh, what was it, when Reverend John called how, you know, it used to be prayer was in schools was okay. Now we're recognizing that if you say we, that doesn't necessarily speak for all of us. And you had also brought up segregation. Do you think we'll get further away and in the next hundred years they won't have In God We Trust? Uh, certainly, that that's possible. Is you know, I think that, that what's more important is that we all learn to really respect each other and our differences, and recognize that people are different. That you know, not everybody uh, thinks like we do. And and I find it interesting as a member of a minority religion that people are, are shocked that I don't believe exactly the way they do. Although many of our our religious beliefs are similar, um, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know, the, the, it's just being respectful and, and understanding that there are other people who don't think like we do will help us all uh, in the long run. Dan, we appreciate you calling in. Let's take our last call. It's Elizabeth in Senatobia. Elizabeth, we appreciate you coming in to be a part of In Legal Terms. You're on the air, and may I say what a lovely first name you have. Thank you. Uh, I would just like to comment on the idea of uh, giving a half-price benefit for someone who brings a, a church bulletin in. In Como, there's a very nice restaurant that will give you half-price on Bloody Mary's. If you bring your church bulletin in, which I think is a pretty good way to get people to go to church. <laughs> I think that might be true. Now, I, I, that, that does not uh, bother me at all. And in fact, but, you know, what, but uh, I will say um, my grandfather ran, was uh, Orthodox Jewish and he uh, closed his store on Saturday. Uh, because that is our Sabbath. Um, and the state of Georgia also required him to close on Sunday as part of what were then with the blue laws. And so um, he actually was successful. He went to court and was successful in, in saying that he should be able to pick the day that he closed if it was for religious reasons. Uh, now, you know, uh, restaurants that are closed on Sunday um, do so uh, by their own choice. I really respect Chick-fil-A for their choice in doing that. But also also, um, restaurants that uh, are forced to close on Sunday uh, by state law or by local law, that's not for religious reasons. That is because the state has said that is a, a day that we designate as a day of closing. But it's really, um, yeah, so I, I don't the, the I don't object to the uh, the concept of, uh, of uh, church bulletins for discounts at all. All right. Thanks, Elizabeth. We appreciate you calling in. Well, Professor Gershon, we have just a couple minutes left. I don't know that the other topics we have left seem to be uh, quite large. I don't know if we want to get into um, uh, tax exempt status to religious organizations or churches lobbying. What what would you like to leave us with for the, the next two minutes about the boundaries of religious freedom? Well, I think the boundaries of religious freedom uh, really uh, you look at what does the, what does the state require versus uh, and endorse versus what does an individual person endorse. So I'll leave you with this thought. People talk about the Ten Commandments at in courthouses. If if uh, if, this, the, if a state uh, puts Ten Commandments in, in a in a courtroom uh, by themselves. 
the lemon test, the Supreme Court lemon test, would say that in and of itself looks like an endorsement of religion, a particular religion. On the other hand, if the state had a display that had the Ten Commandments plus the Magna Carta plus the Mayflower Flower Charter and other documents that are comparative law, legal uh, types of uh, documents all together as part of the display, that is not an endorsement of religion. So it's always a contextual question. Well, and we do have one email that came in. This was from Lisa, who said, I remember hearing stories about public school teachers in Kentucky who were Catholic nuns leading Catholic prayers in school before the laws changed. A lot of Protestant Christians were upset by this and thankful when it was no longer allowed. So that's just another example of... You know, if you're going to lead a prayer in a school, who gets to decide what prayer it is? Well, and, you know, I want to I, if I'm going to lead a prayer for my children, I want to be the one doing it. And, and my children are old enough to make their own decisions about about you know their beliefs as well at this point. All right. Well, we think thank you for leading us on our discussion on religious freedom today, Professor Gersha. My pleasure. All right. This is going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Our call screener for for today has been Michelle McAdoo, and our board engineer in Jackson has been Jay White. I'm Liz Gill, and up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. But we hope you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.